Your source for Big Ten Talk, it's off tackle Empire. If I were king of the forest, not queen, not duke, not prince, my regal robes of the forest would be satin, and not a cotton, and not chintz. I command this thing the official power with a whoosh and a whoosh and a royal growl. As I click my heel, all the trees would kneel and the mountains bow and the bulls bow And the sparrow would take wing. Fire! I were a king. Welcome to Penn State Week here on Off Tuckle Empire. I'm Steve Braun, aka Thumposaurus. Come to Penn State! Come to Penn State! Like week. A little. week. Penn State. Penn State Week. Penn State Week? You remember that? Wasn't that like the first BTN commercial? Oh yeah, it was the one with... It was the one with Ron's, it featured Ron's like, fucking, you, you, you like roses? Rich Rod was in it. I mean, I remember that. I remember Rich Rod was in it. Like, we got the Wayne helmets. Like, wait, oh, wait, like, was, you don't, you don't was, fit in was here. Bill, I believe that Bill Lynch was in that going, where are you? <laughs> that was, I have yeah, no, man, I, I have no recollection of what D'Antonio said. Cause that would have been like his second or third season. Yeah, fuck out of here. Yeah, basically like, <laughs> you want to come or can I go? Yeah, something yeah. like that. <laughs> Man, that, that might be the second best... Be, that, that, that's in the top three. The oh, other behind ones... In the weight room. In the community. 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 <laughs> and, also the, uh, and also the Game of Thrones intro one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but only with the Game of Thrones intro music. And anyway... Yeah, with, like, the cheery, upbeat music they have is it's trash, but... Yeah, yeah, but you put the Game of Thrones music <laughs> in there, and it's, it, it becomes pretty phenomenal. Uh, so anyway, Penn State, um, how, how you doing? You okay? Yeah, you okay? Because... What's, what's up? How you... You, you hit... You, 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 you getting... You, you sleeping well? You kind of feel... You know what? You know what James Franklin's program is starting to feel like? And, boy, this is more on the nose than I ever would have realized. He's the cool kid in high school who peaked in high school. Year, what was oh it, year, was it year three that he won his conference title? It was. I believe it was, and then, you know, not dramatic, but noticeable steps back the last two years. Um, he's a combined, what was it, is it two and ten against Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State? Uh, that's not great. No, he, he, he's won one, he's won one game in five years against each of those three: Ohio State, Michigan State, and Michigan. Okay, so I said two and I said what two and ten. So so he's he three and twelve. So, yeah. So right, because he did beat Ohio but State. But it's once. it's it's evenly distributed, which means yes. that he's got a one and four record against each of those teams. And considering, as we did, that he got basically a free space against Michigan State. Yeah. Yeah. And you know with. Uh, with those, with that kind of record against the three big obstacles to your division title, it's a little bit of good fortune that the stars lined up for him the way they did, and he was able to win the right games to get to the conference title the year he did. Yeah, because what's amazing is that 
that was the one year that Michigan State didn't really prove to be an obstacle. Right. And the other crazy thing about that is that they lost to Michigan 49-10 to that year. Yeah, it was weird, and it was early in the season. Um, I do remember that game, but... Anyway, so, you know, looking at Penn State overall here, I mean, it's kind of hard to figure out exactly what's gone wrong here. So, if you want to look at last year and ask what the problem was, you could say they had a little bit of hangover in the transition from losing Saquon Barkley, losing Mike Gesicki... Um, Deshaun Hamilton was a big piece that was gone, but look, they've they've recruited at an elite level. At your at you know the vaunted blue chip ratio has been high enough. I think like the last three, if not four years now. I think it just came. <coughs> I think it just got in there this year because you had one of those um, like the transition class. One of those transition classes yeah. fell off the board. Um, right. So they've been recruiting unbelievably well, and granted, not every single recruit is going to pan out the way you expect them to. But at the volume of guys they're yes, getting, when you have more than fifty percent blue chips, it doesn't you matter. Are eligible for a national championship. It doesn't matter if thirty percent of them are absolute busts. If two thirds of an excellent class pans out, congratulations, you've got a top ten yeah, team. You should. A, yeah. Of course, USC. Had the third most talent in the country last year. Uh, <laughs> Notre Dame was in the top in that well, they made the blue pl- chip ratio. They no, made the playoff. I mean, in 2016 when they went four oh. and eight, oh. they were. <laughs> so you can you can produce a losing record with a lot of talent, but it takes a lot of work. It's hard. You really gotta put your nose to the grindstone and focus in on losing. Yeah, and if if you wanna say that part of the problem, I mean, they also lost Joe Moorhead before last season, so it's a new offensive coordinator, but there was a lot of confidence in Penn State circles that it it wasn't gonna be that bad of a transition because they promoted from within a guy who was on the staff already, um, and Ricky, I don't remember if it's Ronnie or Rain or how exactly, I think it's Ronnie, Uh, but they promoted from within, they had, the most prolific quarterback in school history coming back and Trace McSorley. Um, and again, still had a boatload of talent. Like Saquon Barkley's gone, okay, give it to the recruit who was actually rated higher than him in Miles Sanders. Give it to the true freshman five-star Ricky yeah, Slade. Which five-star like, running back do you want to go with? You got, they've got Georgia problems with their backfield. Like We can't figure out how to divvy up carries between all these five-star running backs we have. Uh, and you know, honestly, it sort of felt like the bigger loss was almost sticky because... They found a decent guy in Pat Fryermuth, but he wasn't quite the downfield impact because nobody's going to be the same level of chemistry that McSorley had with Gasicki on those downfield throws. It was ridiculous. Yeah, and Fryermuth is one of those guys that, you know, you talk about highly rated recruits. I don't know that he was highly rated, but... I think he was like a three-star. Yeah, but he profiles athletically like an NFL guy. Yeah, yeah, and again, you know, like out wide, I mean, last season, before last season, I thought Jawan Johnson was a good candidate for... Breakout guy of the year, maybe wide receiver of the year. He was a huge disappointment. And then he left. Yeah. Well, I don't know if he did. Do you mean like he declared or... No. Transferred. transferred. Yeah. Maybe. And that's the... What a disappointment he was. I don't even remember what happened to him. So you could be be right. You probably are. Um, They found KJ Hamler last year. I want to say because I was very... I know that Penn State had at least two receivers transfer out. And I want to say that Juwan Johnson was one of them because I... As you'll recall, I was very active looking at the transfer portal for wide receivers because yes, you all of ours are garbage. I defer to your judgment on this matter. <laughs> um, 
And yeah, speaking of transfers, man, it wasn't just the wide receivers. Eleven transfers since the end of last season, and a lot That's of these half a recruiting class. Yeah, like a, a lot of these guys were upperclassmen who weren't necessarily going to play big roles, but. Boy, that's your depth. You better hope you don't have many injuries, and you better hope your freshmen are ready to play with all that talent. Um, because in addition to the 11 transfers, five guys left for the draft early. That's a lot of attrition in addition to your normal seniors. So You know, we got well into October before you really started to see cracks. I mean, yeah, even the greatest teams have scares like they did in Week 1. With Appalachian State. I mean, Appalachian State wasn't a... Very wasn't good a, team. Yeah. This is a far cry from FCS Appalachian State. Yeah, where their head coach got hired somewhere else. Louisville. Right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so... Um, but then they just demolished Pittsburgh by 45 points. Um, put up 63 on Kent State. Put up 63 on a team that barely beat Kent State in Illinois. Um Although a game that was competitive far longer than that. It yeah. was basically the result of a fourth quarter explosion from Penn State that put that game away after they kind of toyed with their food for a while. And then the, the Sanders game... racked up the quietest two hundred rushing yards I can remember. Yeah. Yeah. Well and that, and so then they when they lose the two games back to back, Ohio State, Michigan State, they had both of those games in their hands with a lead in the fourth quarter. But it was very different to have that lead against number four Ohio State and have that slip away and lose by one. Alright, that's just so disheartening, yes, but you know, they've, they're, they're punching toe-to-toe with Ohio State, a perennial national title contender, but then they lose to Michigan State on a passing play. Yeah, that's, that's bad news, man. Bad news last they year. They were not supposed to lose to Michigan State. They had a decisive talent advantage. Yeah, and that's real. it's two years in a row now that they've lost to Michigan State kind of at the last second. Um, and it, this has been a little bit of a theme now, which is in terms of game day, game management, clock management, situational play calling, does James Franklin really have the presence of mind to handle that kind of thing himself? Uh, he's come up short in a lot of situations. And you know, so they, they lose both of those games, and then the Michigan game later in the season... It was a bloodbath. Yeah, but by then, they, they were out of the division race because not only do they lose the two games, but now... You, you're not only two games behind in the loss column, but you also you have tiebreakers. Yeah. yeah, so and it's not even like they acquitted themselves particularly well in the next two games. They went to Indiana yeah. and won by five. Right. Um, they tried really hard to lose to Iowa. I mean, it was by the grace of God that they got out of that one with a win at home. Yeah. And I mean, after the Michigan game, as I recall, a little bit of a, a roll at the end, but against just some non-functional offense. Yeah, congratulations, you scored twenty points on Rutgers. Right. That game was close. At that least game at was. You know what? Was the Rutgers winning that game at halftime? Yeah, I think if they had started, uh, if they'd started Gio Rossigno, they would have had a shot. I really think that. Yeah, man. So um, look, the picture overall here is again kind of like what? What the fuck is going on they here? They lost like, to Kentucky, which yeah, well, and granted, a solid team, especially when Benny Snell doesn't get kicked out of the game for no apparent yeah, reason. Yeah, I, I think it's fair to say that Mark Stoops is probably one of the more underrated coaches from a holistic program standpoint in the country. To build Kentucky to what they had last year, uh, that that's impressive. But still. On paper, that's a game Penn State should win by 10. So, But you know, this is a guy who, and the impact moment of this is lost now. Because uh, now you know what this, is, what this is coming. But we discovered, as part of this, is another one that we're redoing from our 
our great uh, podcast loss of what will by now be a few weeks ago. Um, in one season where they did, admittedly, they took eventual national champ Ohio State to two overtimes. But in one season, they lost to Brady Hoke, Randy Edsel, and Tim Beckman. In one season, James Franklin lost to those coaches. And he damn near lost to Kyle Flood. Damn, y'all. In that same season. So that feel that feels fireable. I mean, I think that was his first season, but that it was that feels fireable. But think about it, man. You 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 lost to Brady Hoke, Randy Edsel, and Tim Beckman in the same season. What a rogues gallery well, you know, of guys that it's embarrassing to be out coached by. I mean, he and he got out maneuvered by Tim Beckman in that game. Hashtag <laughs> sanctions, but you know, um, you know, being Illinois carries more sanctions than Penn State did. Yeah. And we get, we kind of ended our discuss. So all right, well, I think we've discussed enough about last season. So we talked a little bit about offensively. There's going to be a, a good deal more carryover this year than there was last. Um, well, wait, that's not correct at all. I forgot McSorley's gone. Um, they also have a couple departures on the offensive line, and Miles Sanders is gone. But again, they shouldn't have any problems there because Ricky they're Slade. yeah, their running back recruiting has been incredible. They still have Slade, who's a you know sophomore, former five star. A couple of high four stars coming in. Um, the quarterback thing is the real problem. So not only did McSorley leave, but then his assumed successor, Tommy Stevens, transferred in the spring as well. And if you want to be a hard-ass football fan and say, well, if he was, if he was feeling entitled and he didn't want to work to be here, then we, we're better off without him. No, you're fucking not. No, you're fucking not. This guy played most of the last three seasons in some capacity. He knows your offense better than any other candidate you had on the roster. The alternatives now are a redshirt sophomore who's barely played and a four-star true freshman, uh, Taquan Roberson, who could probably be pretty good, but you're really plugging a true freshman in in year five? I mean, is that that's not where... You want to at least start the season off with a veteran. Yeah, and if Tommy Stevens ends up not being good enough, then you play the kid. But, boy, it... It just it there's these transfers raise some questions. The the fall off the last couple of years raised some questions. Even if it's nothing dramatic, even if there's still enough talent here that they're gonna cruise through most of their games. I mean they'll win eight games just by rolling out of bed. The question is the question is, with the way he's recruiting and the level they've shown themselves capable of doing, is that good enough? Like is it good enough for them to go nine and three if they lose? to Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, and they're out of the picture for the division. Like, is that really good enough for Penn State fans? I think we know the answer is no. Um, so what happens if that happens again? So Franklin basically is, what you're saying, is a slow-developing Brady Hoke on steroids? Damn. No. Beca- okay, no. So Hoke had his only... Hoke had his... Kind of his title season. Yeah, he had his triumphant season right at the beginning with the last guy's dudes. And it was it was a gradual but noticeable slide immediately after that. But the talent level went up. Right. Um so the winning percentage went down. You could compare that, but it I don't think we're there yet. Yeah, that's a worse case. I'm just saying. (laughs) God damn. Um that's not off the table. No. Um, you know, shifting gears, you put in this outline uh, four-star DTQB, which is dual-threat quarterback, but I thought was defensive tackle slash quarterback. That would be impressive. I, mean, I mean, it'd be like 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 
make Jadavian Clowney's high school highlight tape look yeah. like. I mean, <laughs> you know, people freak out about like when Stanford plays a guy at linebacker and also a few snaps at fullback. Like, imagine a guy playing like starting at defensive tackle and also quarterback. And also, yeah, also taking snaps at quarterback. No, yeah. that's that's just my notation that the quarterback is a dual threat, if you will, or DT. Uh, no, we will not. <laughs> we will not see the likes of Jared Lorenzen again. Rest in peace, my dude. Battleship Lorenzen has sailed for the final time. So anyway, uh, yeah, I mean, you still have, you know, home run threats everywhere. KJ yeah. Hamler is yes, absolutely one of the more dynamic guys around. Um, I think I honestly, I remember some of the discussions about Slade when he was coming out. I think he's going to be probably sort of the breakout guy of the year in the conference. I mean, unless one of these guys behind him does a Saquon Barkley and jumps over him. Um, so then let's... Uh, the question is, would he see snaps in Rutgers' crowded backfield? <laughs> because that's always the question of how you can evaluate a Penn State running back. <laughs> Could they make it at the Gers? Oh, the internet's a funny place sometimes. Um, <laughs> but so, all right, before we get... I mean, we, we kind of strayed into the discussion of schedule and expectations a little bit, but to talk about where the defense is, uh, really good position. Uh, which is good because, again, I think there's going to be some real growing pains, adjustment issues on the offense, real signs that the new guy is not going to be as good as Joe Moorhead. Because, um, man, you you remember the, the, I don't even know what you would call it, the shotgun option that turned into a direct snap where Ben Barkley's the guy reading? Yeah. That was fucking awesome, man. That was sick. We didn't exactly see anything like that last year is my point. No. Um, but anyway... The defense is going to be able to carry some water for this team for a while. So they've got some losses, granted, but they also still have proven playmakers with space to improve at every level. So up front, um, Yatur Gross Matos and Robert Windsor are probably the names you're going to hear the most, but they've recruited a lot of talented defensive ends. Um, the linebacking group is pretty solid. A couple of seniors um, in Johnson and Brown? Is that the other guy? Cam Brown? Yep, Cam Brown. Um, and then Micah Parsons, who's a pass-rushing demon. Also, though, to tie this back into the recruiting, if you want to... I, I don't think any of the guys... Because I don't really view Parsons as a traditional linebacker. I don't think any of the guys they've got right now are going to evoke the, the view of the traditional linebacker, you Penn State linebacker, 130 tackle guy. They've got a freshman in this class, Brandon Smith, who... Pretty good bet if you're looking for the next... One of those Michael Mowdy, Sean Lee type of dudes. Uh, I mean, Brandon, Brandon Smith is going to be a dude. That's a pretty, that's a pretty Penn State name too. Smith, Brandon Smith. I mean, they, I wonder if they they uh, beat out BYU for him. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I, you know, for a second there, I had a thought of doing like a Pittsburgh Western Pennsylvania accent. I'm not very good at that. You, on the other hand, happen to be married to a Yinzer. Semi-Yinzer. Pennsylvania Dutch is more the... But that, yeah. that, that veers into Yinzer. It really only comes out when she says Stillers, but... Uh. No, also <laughs> whenever she talks about going out downtown. Right? Yins, yins, so, we'll, all right, we'll spare yins, you. Yins, get out of here. Well, look, in our last episode, we absolutely nailed the Wisconsin accent, so we're going to we're gonna try to leave on that high note. We'll, we'll spare you the accents around, but in any case, Brandon Smith is the guy Penn State fans are going to like, is the upshot of that message. Uh, and there's there's no way that they don't play him at least somewhat this year. And then back end, a few more questions, but still have Garrett Taylor and John Reed, who are a real good combination corner safety. So 
The, the two pro football teams in Pennsylvania, by the way, are the, are the Stillers and the Eagles. Eagles, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Eagles. Uh, but again, the defense is where I think you're going to see the impact of the recruiting because even with some losses from last year um, in both the defensive line and the secondary, they've recruited to the studs. Like They've got up and down the roster, five-star, five-star, four-star, four-star. Um, and that's basically, they're following to an extent the Urban Meyer plan, which is to load up at these impact positions. Um, not to say they don't have talent elsewhere, but the places you've got to have it are, you know, positions close to the ball and the ones farthest away from it. That seems to be the way they're going about it. So the Penn State schedule. Um, look, as talented as this team is, uh, they'll have some interesting challenges in the crossovers. Purdue, Iowa, Minnesota, that all are... None of them are as talented as Penn State, don't get me wrong, but Iowa's proven a tough nut to crack a couple times. Minnesota's a team that feels as though they're on the rise. Um, Purdue has a scheme that's going to be difficult for anybody to come up with. And, man, if you want to talk about game day coaches, would you feel comfortable with Franklin against Ferentz? Nah. Against Brom? Nah. Against Fleck? Maybe. Maybe. So if it's a close game... Intense, young, bald guys. Yeah, so if it's a close game in the fourth quarter in any of those three games, which, again, it might not be because Penn State's got enough talent to just shove them off the field. You know, we talked about South Florida. Who do you think is the shinier-headed bald guy? Oh, but Strong. Fleck and Franklin. Oh. Between them. Um, Probably Franklin. Because if we're establishing that the shiniest bald guy wins, then I guess I'm not worried about Minnesota if I'm Penn State. Yeah, I suppose not. Um, I do think maybe there's an element where like skin tone matters because you know a, a white guy like Fleck, I think you know I don't think it. You know, but Fleck well. seems like the kind of guy to go the extra mile to make his head really shiny. Like, not that he seems like he does that, but he seems like he would if he thought it would pump people up. If he thought it would help, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Like, and also have some weird convoluted motivational logic for why it's going to work. We're going to roll the, we're going to roll the head wax. Uh, You know what? You see me shine, and you shine, and we all shine together. Hashtag hyper shine. Yeah, I can see how you would, all right, yeah. God, we, you know that by saying that, we spoke it into reality. God damn it. Uh, So those are the crossovers. Um. They've got this stretch of uh, in, in October that's going to determine the course of their season, Penn State. All right, so they host Purdue, they go to Iowa, host Michigan, go to Michigan State. Um, if they get through that stretch, either undefeated or with only one loss, then really Ohio State is the second to last game in the season. And, I mean, they'll know if they're playing for a division by then or not. If they're not, then who cares if you lose the game to Ohio State? Of course, and if you, if you lose to Michigan, then you're probably not beating Ohio State. Right. So... Um, October is going to be the whole story of the season for Penn State. They have a, you know, the pit game, I'm not going to say doesn't matter, but it doesn't matter. I don't think this is a team that's going to go undefeated. So kind of like was the case with Iowa and Iowa State. Yeah, you want to win that game, but you don't actually need it. Um, what do you see for Penn State this season? I think I had them at 9-3. and three. Uh, They open up with Paul Petrino and unfortunately not taking a trip to the Kibbe Dome. Boo! Which is unfortunate. Ooh, go to the Kibbe Dome. Uh, they play Buffalo, which is not as scary as perhaps last year's would have been. But they're no. also a little bit better than the Big Ten team that Buffalo pummeled last year. They're slightly above 20, 2018 Rutgers. 
Yeah. So I think I had them nine and three, winning those non-conference games, but losing to Ohio State, Michigan, and one other. I think it. Uh, can't remember if it was Iowa or Michigan State. Hmm. Well, if he sticks true to form, it would be Michigan State. It wasn't Rutgers. Your source for Big Ten talk. It's off tackle. Empire.